my fellow Americans. I am happy to have this opportunity to talk to you once more, before I leave the White House. Next Tuesday, General Eisenhower will be inaugurated as President of the United States. A short time after the new President takes his oath of office, I will be on the train going back home to Independence, Missouri. I will once again be a plain, private citizen of this great republic. That is as it should be. Inauguration Day will be a great demonstration of our democratic process. I am glad to be a part of it, glad to wish General Eisenhower all possible success as he begins his term, glad the whole world will have a chance to see how simply and how peacefully our American system transfers the vast power of the presidency from my hands to his. It is a good object lesson in democracy. I am very proud of it, and I know you are too. During the last two months, I have done my best to make this transfer an orderly one. I have talked with my successor on the affairs of the country, both foreign and domestic, and my cabinet officers have talked with their successors. I want to say that General Eisenhower and his associates have cooperated fully in this effort. Such an orderly transfer from one party to another has never taken place before in our history. I think a real precedent has been set. In speaking to you tonight, I have no new revelations to make, no political statements, no policy announcements. There are simply a few things in my heart that I want to say to you. I want to say goodbye and thanks for your help. And I want to talk to you a little while about what has happened since I became your president. I am speaking to you from the room where I have worked since April 12, 1945. This is the President's office in the West Wing of the White House. This is the desk where I have signed most of the papers that embodied the decisions I have made as President. It has been the desk of many Presidents, and will be the desk of many more. Since I became President, I have been to Europe. Mexico, Canada, Brazil, Puerto Rico, and the Virgin Islands, Wake Island, and Hawaii. I have visited almost every state in the Union. I have traveled 135,000 miles by air, 77,000 by rail, and 17,000 by ship. But the mail always followed me, and wherever I happened to be, that's where the office of the President was. The greatest part of the President's job is to make decisions, big ones and small ones, dozens of them almost every day. The papers may circulate around the government for a while, but they finally reach this desk, and then there's no place else for them to go. The President, whoever he is, has to decide. He can't pass the buck to anybody. No one else can do the deciding for him. That is his job. That's what I've been doing here in this room for almost eight years. And over in the main part of the White House, there's a study on the second floor, 
a room much like this one, where I have worked at night and early in the morning, on the papers I couldn't get to at the office. Of course, for more than three years Mrs. Truman and I were not living in the White House. We were across the street in the Blair House. That was when the White House almost fell down on us, and had to be rebuilt. I had a study over at the Blair House, too, but living in the Blair House was not as convenient as living in the White House. The Secret Service wouldn't let me walk across the street, so I had to get in a car every morning to cross the street to the White House office, again at noon to go to the Blair House for lunch, again to go back to the office after lunch, and finally take an automobile at night to return to the Blair House.